Good morning. Are you familiar with this? It's a car camera. You stick it on the glass, it points out, and if something unexpected uh, were to happen, you know, you got cut off and had an accident, not that that ever happens in Beijing, uh, but here you would have a record, and you could show this in the ensuing lively discussion and say, no, look, I was right. It was green for me. And you could justify yourself. Okay, useful little tidbit of Greek. Justified, righteous are the same root word. So when you see justified, think righteousified. Okay, and righteous is you have been judged and found to be right. Okay, and at some level, if we're honest, we all want to be judged and found right. We have no interest in being judged and found wrong, but judged and found right, that feels good. So picture for yourself life like this. Okay, but we're going to upgrade GoPro's already pretty impressive technology and add thought view technology. You know, so thought bubbles, they're, they're going to be on the screen too. Okay? And if you spent life like this, outside of those great moments on the ski slope or that scuba trip, okay, do you really want this being submitted for judgment? I, 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 I'm going to guess. Maybe it's just me, but I'm going to guess the answer is a renowned, resounding no. Okay? Is it just me or? Okay, are we tracking here? Yeah. Okay. You would say yes, okay, you are young and naive. Give it, give it a couple years and you will change your mind, I promise. You won't? Okay, well talk to me in 10 years, we'll see. Okay, I would like to ask you to turn in your Bible, whether it's paper or electronic, to the book of Galatians. Okay, because the book of Galatians is going to answer the question, how do you get right, how do you get righteous with God, okay? And there are competing answers to this question. And Paul had gone to a group of people in Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey, and he had told them how to get right with God. And then some people had come in behind them and said, well, what Paul said was mostly right. But here, let me just tweak it a little bit, okay? So let's hear the first part of what Paul said, and then we'll dive into that. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but that there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we 
or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed, as we have said before. So now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he, who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him to the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and returned with, uh, remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not running and ha or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was, Greek, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them I did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they are makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted to the gospel to the circumcised, for he who works through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship to, to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and he separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. 
And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically all along with them, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. And I, when I saw their conduct not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too are found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. For I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Paul opens with a gospel summary. If you look at most of the letters of Paul, I think all of them, they always start with a blessing, a from me to you, here's who I am, here's who you are, and here is some condensed explanation of the gospel. And that's just, you know, verses 1, 2, 1 to 6, that's just how he says hello, okay? So here it is, Christ was raised by God. Grace and peace come to you from God the Father and God the Son. Um, I commend to you uh, Martin Luther's uh, commentary on Galatians. He says, note this most carefully. The words are simple, but during temptation, be convinced in our hearts that we have forgiveness of, pe of sins and peace with God by grace alone is the hardest thing. Okay? Christ gave himself for our sins. Luther camps out on our not just the worthy get their sins forgiven, not the people who have their act together, not the people that look shiny on the outside, our sins. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, it does not matter how much of a mess you were, you are, you will still be, your sins, all of them, yes, even that one, are covered. Let that land on you. You should feel, at the very least, slightly scandalized by that. If you don't, you either haven't properly assessed the heinousness of your sin, or you don't understand the utter glory and righteousness of God. The gospel is scandalous.
He delivers us from the present evil age. The world as it is now is not neutral. It is glorious. It is made by God. It reflects His glory. But it is tainted. It is fallen. And it too will be redeemed when heaven comes to earth. But that has not happened yet. And we live in a world that is hostile to our faith. It is hostile to our joy in Christ. And Christ came to deliver us from that as well. And the gospel brings glory to the Father. Okay. I would never say that I'm saved by my works. But when I look how I live, okay, I would rather have more sleep. I would rather have my workout. I would rather have a hot shower, my coffee, than feed my soul in Jesus. Okay, just, hi, my name's Ed. I'm a sinner. Okay. It is a struggle to delight yourself in Jesus. And that is your calling, to delight yourself in Jesus. Okay. Why we cannot have justification urged upon us too often or too much. Even if we learn it and understand it well, none of us grasps it perfectly or believes it with his whole heart. Our flesh is so frail and it is often disobedient to the Spirit. Thank you, Martin Luther. Can anybody say amen? Yeah. There is no other gospel. Okay. Paul had gone to what is probably to Galatia depending on how you date the letter, probably southern Galatia. This is probably written before the Jerusalem Council in Acts where they sorted this out, put a stamp on it, and said, look, you don't need the law. Because if it, if it had been written after that, he probably would have referenced it. So we're looking at a letter written about 48 to 50 A.D. It's one of probably the earliest of Paul's letters. Okay? And what had happened is Paul had gone off, he preached the gospel, this scandalous gospel to Jews and Greeks that you are saved apart from works of the law. And then some other, he'll call them Judaizers, come in and say, well, what Paul taught you was pretty close. Well, we got some laws you need to keep. You can't eat that. You need to be circumcised. Okay. Now, circumcision just doesn't register with us. It's not a part of our culture. Okay. For over a thousand years, this was a boundary marker for the Jewish people. You're in or you're out. You're a Jew, you're everybody else. Okay. Are there any, is anybody here actually Jewish by descent? Okay. We're all wild olive branches grafted in. Okay, so this stuff, it just kind of, it doesn't hit us. But for a Jew to say, pork's okay. Okay. Explosion. Okay, it, it, it doesn't fit. And so these people had come in. Now, why were they doing this? A couple possible reasons. One, you got 1,500 years of this is how we do life. This is how we identify who we are. I can't let go of that. Another possible reason is Rome had this begrudging respect for Judaism due to its sheer ancientness. 
And after Caesar Augustus died, they started deifying their rulers. Uh, well, Augustus deified his uncle Caesar, and, and on and on it went. And so every year, to prove your loyalty, you went and you worshipped the Caesar. They didn't care who you worshipped, what you worshipped the rest of the year, but once a year, you're going to worship Caesar. And they gave the Jews an exception, because they knew if we push on that, we're just going to get revolt after revolt, and it's just not worth it. So if you're a Jew, you get a pass. Everybody else has to go do this. And Christianity was shifting out from under that pass afforded Judaism. So if you were a Jewish sect, you didn't have to go do this. If Christianity was its own thing, okay, you got to go deal with the temple tax, you know, deal with this uh, worshiping of the Caesars, or you're in revolt. And so it could be they were saying, hey, why don't you just tack this stuff on? We won't get any grief from the Jews. We won't get any grief from the Romans. Or legitimately, they thought, if you don't do this, if you eat that, you are losing your salvation. Okay? Now, if you go and look at other, Paul, other Paulian letters, other letters Paul wrote, they always start with this opening, God's great, he loved you, I'm an apostle, we're praying for you. And then he goes into something, isn't God great because, dot, dot, dot. Okay, let me see if I can render the Greek for, for this introduction. Okay, that's how Paul opens Galatians. Okay, he's, ah, you're messing with the gospel. Okay, Corinthians, he's got this, this argument, somebody's sleeping with his stepmom, and he opens up with this beautiful thing about how Christ has saved you, my brothers. You mess with the gospel, he gets epileptic. Okay, you remember you're in class, if the professor repeats himself, you know what's on the final? Paul repeats himself, you mess with the gospel, you're under a curse. I don't care if you're an angel, an apostle, you mess with the gospel, let you be anathema, cursed. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, they use anathema to translate devoted to destruction. When the, the Jews conquered the promised land and this city was to be destroyed, nothing left, that's anathema is how they translate that idea. Paul is freaking out that they're messing with the gospel. Okay? It's desertion. You change this gospel, you go from Jesus plus nothing to Jesus plus something, this is not the gospel. You add, you have to eat this or you can't eat that. And we're not talking about making a concession for a brother who's weak in faith. We're talking about this becomes a marker by which I know I am saved or this will unsave me. You're changing the gospel. Who are you trying to please? Pick one and only one. God can be your audience or the world can be your audience. And Paul said, look, if I were trying to please the world, I would not be a Christian. Okay? And this hits me because I have seen and I still see, I crave, I long for the approval of man. Okay? 
can't go into some of the backstory because of this thing, um, but I, I crave this. And Paul clearly says, look, you can't have both. Choose your audience. And in the gospel, we have an audience of one. And the most glorious thing about that is he has chosen to be pleased. He has met all the requirements to be pleased with you. He set the standard. You couldn't reach it. He wrote the check. It cost him his son's life. He's put a down payment, the Holy Spirit. He's going to finish paying it off. God is pleased with you. He is our only audience, and he is pleased. Next slide. This is not man's gospel. And because of the, the background of the situation, Paul's credentials are getting called into question. And so he launches into a long chapter-length defense of his apostleship. Uh, but it comes down to, this is not my gospel. This is Christ's gospel. Okay? And he says, look at my life. Where did I come from? I was a violent persecutor of the church. Okay? Interesting little factoid. The three most prolific writers in the Bible, the people that this Holy Spirit used to write our Old and New Testament, who were they? Moses, David, Paul. You know what they all have in common? They're murderers. You think you got something keeping you from getting right with God? God chose to use murderers to write most of the Bible. He's got space for you too. Okay? He said, I was called by grace. Okay? He goes down his credentials. I was a Jew, I was an Uber Jew, a super Jew. I was trained by Gamaliel. He'll get into that in another uh, book. You know, so this is like super teacher. I was one of his disciples. I was advancing beyond people my own age. And he says, none of that qualified to get me right with God. And again, we're not Jews, so we don't catch the scandal of that, that the law did not make him right with God. Grace, grace, unmerited favor. You didn't do anything to earn being right with God except contributing sin because Jesus came to save sinners. There's your contribution. co-laborers. So this is how he shows that his gospel is no different from Peter's and James and the other apostles. When he goes to visit them, hey, I brought Titus. He's a Greek. They didn't tell him to be circumcised. I shared the gospel that I preach. And they said, amen. We're glad you're going to the Greeks. We're going to the Jews. But they also went to the Greeks. Peter went to the centurion. Paul would always go into synagogues. It's the same gospel. They're co-laborers. And that shows we're not dealing with, here's how Jews get saved. Here's how Greeks get saved. It's by faith. Abraham was saved by faith. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. It has always been by faith. Same message, different primary audiences. Next slide. Next slide. 
Then Paul goes into and explain an incident that maybe his audience has heard about. He was somewhere, and Peter was there, and some of these Judaizers, these people that are saying Jesus plus dietary laws and circumcision. Okay, those are probably not our issues, but I'm willing to put good money down that every single one of us struggles with Jesus plus something. I, I know I do. Jesus plus I get to the office early. Jesus plus I work hard. Jesus plus something. And the gospel is Jesus plus nothing. So Peter had gotten relaxed with his dietary laws. Like Paul, he was willing to be a Jew to Jews and Greeks to Greeks. But then some people come from Jerusalem and Peter starts backing away and reverting to his Jewishness. And, oh, I won't associate with those Greeks who, you know, they eat pork. And, and it created this confusion. Because, you know, if, if, if Peter's, if, okay, and then Barnabas even, it's like, okay, well, then I, I must, maybe I have to do that to be saved. So this is not that I will make a concession. Anybody like beer? Hate the smell of it. You're free to drink beer, Okay. But if you are around an alcoholic friend, you humble yourself and you don't drink beer around him for the edification of your brother, not for your salvation or his, but because you love your brother. If you're around somebody who's coming out of a Muslim background and it's just not cool to eat pork, hey, okay, I'll give up pork. Not because that makes me right with God, but because I don't want to put a stumbling block in front of my Muslim background friend. That was not the case here. The case here was Peter was creating a situation where people were thinking, oh, I've got to add something to Jesus to be saved. And so as we talked about earlier, this makes Paul absolutely apoplectic. And he gets in P Peter's face and says, what are you thinking? How can you add anything to Jesus? And he calls him out. Because what is at stake is the gospel of Jesus Christ that you are saved by God's gracious work towards you, that you trust a finished work of Jesus, and you add zip, zero, nada, nothing. We are saved by faith apart from works of the law. So let's touch again on righteousness, okay? How do you get righteous? How do you become justified just as if I had never sinned? Okay. We said we want to be judged and found right. Same root word, dikaios. Okay. So if we want to pull that into English, righteous is dikaios. Justified is dikaiosified, if you could do that with Greek. Okay. And Paul says something that should really confuse us a little bit. He said, you are justified apart from works of the law. Now, who's read the Old Testament? Getting kids raising hand. No adults? Really? Okay. Have you noticed there's a lot of laws in that? Okay. Put a lot of laws in there, and then Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says... 
These do not get you right with God. They cannot get you right with God. They were never meant to get you right with God. Is the correct response. Scratch your head. Okay, this, it's okay. This should, you should go, really? Then why all these laws? Because of sin. To show you how utterly far away from the righteous requirements of God you are. The biggest problem in getting people saved is convincing them that they are, in fact, lost. If I were to start handing out life preservers in this room, you would think I'd lost it. Okay? Because I don't see a tsunami. We're pretty far from the coast. We're not in the boat, and it's certainly not leaking. Life preservers make no sense in this context. But if you are convinced that you are justly deserving of God's wrath, you will desperately want a Savior. So the law doesn't make you righteous. It can't make you righteous. So what do you do with it? You've got to die to it. You've got to find yourself utterly in need of a Savior, and there is one. You can try to make yourself right by following the law couple problems. First of all, you won't complete all of it. You can't. Second problem is it's not designed to make you righteous. Even if you met all the laws, it still wouldn't make you right. So how shall we now live? Dead to the law, alive in Christ. If you see yourself desperately in need of a Savior, The law has performed its job. Put it down. Look to Christ. Every requirement of the law that stands to condemn you, when the devil gets in your head and says, you are not worthy, Luther would say, that's right. I am not worthy. And so I look to a worthy Savior. When it says, you don't measure up, you say, that's right. I don't measure up. Christ does. Okay? When you are looking for your standing before God, you do not look to the law. You look to Christ who has met the requirements of the law. When you look to figure out how to love your neighbor, look at the law. Not how you get right with God, but how do you live? Don't murder. Don't steal. When you're trying to figure out what does love your neighbor like yourself look like? Okay. Ten Commandments, not a bad place to start. It doesn't get you right with God, but it tells you what right is. It convicts us of our sin. It drives us to a Savior. Okay. It really should create... You should have a sense of scandal in this. I struggle to live out Christ plus nothing. It really, I, I get all these, really? But, but, but what about, and, and two questions should come up when you hear this. Do you really mean I'm saved by Jesus plus nothing? That should be a question that comes up, and the answer is yes. And then the next question that should come up is, but won't this lead to lawlessness? And the answer is no. Um, 
Initially, I asked my son this morning if I could use him in an illustration, and he said no, so we talked a little later. I said, well, Edward, do you, and then he later gave me permission, so it's okay. Um, I said, Edward, you know Daddy loves you even when you do stuff wrong. Yeah. It's like, and you know Daddy loves you no matter what you do. Yes. Do you know why? And he said, no. I said, because that's how Jesus loves me. He goes, oh. I said, so since Jesus loves us like that, what, what should we do? I said, obey. There's the order. You are so shockingly, mind-blowingly loved. You are accepted. It's finished. It's done. So obey. You're loved. Why would you do anything else? Next page. Next slide. So what gospel will you believe? It is a fight. It is a struggle. As I prepared this message, it is a struggle for me daily to believe what I have just preached to you. And I don't expect that struggle to end while I yet live. So I commend a couple of resources to you. Uh, next slide. Okay. Uh, John Bunyan, writer of Pilgrim's Progress, commended Luther's commentary on Galatians after the Bible itself as the best uh, medicine for a wounded soul. So thanks to the wonders of the internet, you can get it for free and download it wherever you are. Uh, Pacific Crossroads, which is a very Redeemer-like uh, plant in L.A., has a sermon, on Galatians, sermon series on Galatians. I've been listening to that. I found it very edifying. Uh, and I would encourage you to take the book of Galatians and sit and read it in a single sitting. Don't get up. Don't take a break. Just block out. Just sit and read from verse 1-1 all the way to the end. And do that for a week longer if you can stand it, but make yourself get the whole argument, because Paul argues like a trial lawyer. He puts out a thing, expects a response, and responds to that, because you cannot hear the truth of the gospel too much. Let me pray for us briefly, and I'll call the band back up. Heavenly Father, we struggle to believe the gospel, because it is good news. It is better news than we have any right in ourselves to expect. And we will struggle to believe it, and we will struggle to apply it. And because of it, we have no right to look down on anyone. So, I, Father, I pray that we would believe the gospel, and it would transform how we interact with everyone we meet, whether it's the driver that cut us off our boss that is acting unrighteously towards us, um, our children that are really trying to push us to, to raise them by the law instead of grace, that we would believe your gospel and find the joy you have promised us therein. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.